Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. everybody we are alive with underground sports philadelphia episode number 158 kyle bennett matt castarina live from underground studios as always show brought to you by main auto llc douche arms pro foot security 21 paul j gillespie incorporated bob novick auto mall mark ronchetti cpa llc and the dental wellness center of vineland and if you haven't already seen we are now partnered with design tree that's where you can get all of our merch we have a promo code for you Use the promo code DSGN5 to get $5 off your purchase at checkout for all of our merch. Our t-shirts and everything are now over there. So just search Underground Sports Philadelphia on their website and use that promo code to get $5 off your first purchase. What's going on, man? You know, same old, same old. Another day, another dollar. As we are recording this, uh, we do want to send out you know, our condolences and our well wishes and prayers to the Philadelphia Police Department. Uh, unfortunately, there is an active shooter uh, around Temple University, so everyone stay safe, stay away from that area if you are around there, uh, and hopefully everybody comes out okay. Um, but on a, a happier note, Matt, it's it's good to know that, once again, John Middleton, Matt Klintak, and the Phillies front office listened to Underground Sports Philadelphia because our wishes have been granted. John Maley is gone. Yeah, um, and now currently positive in the the post Mally era right now. Back You're with one and zero, one and zero. Which hey, take it. Take uh, it. It was against the Cubs, so you yeah. will take it. Yeah, and I mean, um, was at the game last night, which was a lot of fun. Sitting through the rain, always fantastic. Um, it's actually funny. Me and Sarah went to a game last year where it rained pretty much the entire time. Also against the Cubs. That was a walk off though, which was great. But yeah. It, Big win. Um, hard to get too jazzed up about it because of how terrible mm-hmm. the road trip was, but um, somehow we are still in the wild card <laughs> race. It feels like we've lost like eight straight games, mm-hmm. uh, which we almost have, but you know, still, uh, still chucking along, I guess. Um, certainly no instant impact in terms of offensive ability, though, because we had what like fifteen strikeouts last night. So. A little bit. Not like, you know, Reese and Bryce both going, I think, like, over 8, over 9 yeah. combined. Um, but our, our our new hitting coach is in the dugout tonight, and he is a familiar face. If you live under a rock, Charlie Manuel is back in the dugout. Hitting season is back on. And uh, there there were a few kind of, you know, takes about it where a lot of people were just saying, oh, they're doing this just to get people back at the stadium because of the recent struggles and it's just a PR move, I'm kind of thrilled that he's going to be the guy kind of leading the charge for these next 43 games uh, to hopefully light a fire under these guys' asses and, you know, kind of just take a lot of pressure off their shoulders like these at-bats aren't life or death and just go out there and have fun. I I see this move as, 
you know, Malley was probably someone that they, they weren't keen on having back next year anyway. And, you know, a hitting coach can be, like, a few different things. One of them, I think, as you commonly hear, is that they can also just be, like, a psychologist, just someone that can level with players and get them in the right mindset. And, you know, having someone that's still pretty pretty enshrined with, the, like, the Philadelphia organization and um, someone that was obviously a manager himself and has been kind of at almost every level you can be in, in baseball um, – you know, having someone like that with that kind of guidance could definitely be helpful in, in you know the locker room and all. So, I, I think it's sort of uh, it's sort of like what you saw with like getting like someone like Drew Smiley, right? Where it's like really kind of like low risk type of move where you didn't weren't really pleased with uh, with Malley to begin with, and now you just have the opportunity of maybe just getting a little boost, you know, for the rest of the year, a um, little bit of good feelings, and I think the fans a little excited as well. And you know, you really I. I don't think you could have gotten much worse, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I think it, you could have even left the like just a vacant position, and you know everyone just kind of do their own thing, and probably would have had the same, if not better, results at this point. So. Well, live update: it seems to be working because Bryce Harper just hit a two-run home run. Hell yeah! So we will take that. Uh, I mean, it, it's fun to see Charlie back in the dugout. Obviously, um, with just all the the good memories that we have of Charlie and. Ironically enough, six years ago today was his final game as Philly's manager. Uh, so he's back in the dugout right on that anniversary. Um, and obviously, you know, during the press conference yesterday, it was addressed that this is just a short-term move. Charlie's only here until the remainder of the season as the hitting coach, and then they will hire somebody full-time. Um, Matt Klintak was quick to shut down any other coaching changes uh, that would happen sooner. Then later, so it seems for now, Chris Young is safe, Gabe is safe, um, and the rest of the, the coaching staff is safe. But, I mean, there there's not too many people in the game of baseball that know hitting better than Charlie Manuel. You see what he did with the core from 2008. You saw what he did with Jim Tomey to lead him to a Hall of Fame career. And uh, what he did as hitting coach with the Indians when they were in their heyday. And Gabe Kapler touched on that too because at that time, uh, he was with the Detroit Tigers, so they were playing against each other. So, I mean, like you said, you could have done much worse than bringing in somebody who knows the organization and knows hitting uh, than Charlie Manuel. Yeah, I mean, it's just a little bit of a, a no-brainer in terms of your short-term solutions that you have available. So, excited. Uh, I was actually talking. So, I like, you know, when I see someone, especially when it's not like a divisional opponent, I see someone like a... A, a, like a visiting, you know, shirt or hat, or like I, I like to strike up conversation. So I was, I, I went to Shake Shack for the first time yesterday at Citizens Bank, which was fantastic. Um, definitely worth like the ten minute wait. <laughs> I can tell. Um, but guy had a Cubs shirt on, so I was just like, oh, like are you from Chicago or like you know you just mm-hmm. grew up like in the Cubs? He's actually a Mets fan. Interesting. Pretty disappointed at that, but he says he likes because he's a Mets fan. He likes to show up anytime. You know, he goes, his son is a Phillies fan. So anytime he shows up to a game, he likes to wear the like visiting team okay. like, gear. Cause I was like, yeah, that's it's just such a Mets move. Um, but like we got to talking and like just talk about like, uh, and it's it's it was interesting just to hear like someone else's perspective, especially again like a, a divisional like rivals perspective on the team. And I was saying, you know, like damn, like Mets, you know, like kind of wish we were going on a run like you guys are. That that would feel good. And he was, like, way more positive about the Phillies than I was, and I think that everyone has been about the Phillies, and I don't know how to take that if he was just being nice to me or what, but 
Um, you know, like this team, like, you know, I, I think when you've been embroiled in all the, the nonsense of this season, you, like we have a tendency, I think, to be a little more negative. And I think mm-hmm. that's also like kind of just a Philly sport thing in general. Um, but it was nice to hear like someone that, you know, and he was like super like into baseball in general as well. Like he was there just to see like Javi Baez, I guess one of his favorite players. Mm-hmm. So I was like, um, so it was cool to hear his, his perspective on it. But yeah, I mean, we'll see where the rest of the season goes, you know, like it just feels constant. Like you're being pulled back yeah. in with this team. Like, you know, when you just get over them, they have a terrible series <laughs> and then I guarantee they're going to like either sweep the Cubs or something, you know, like, yeah. And then it's like back in, you know, we're going to drop Let's like go. two or three to the Padres, you know, like, it's just, I, it's been just like, it's just, a, just ebbs and flows all season and, um, no consistency, but maybe, maybe they shake it out. And I really don't think so. Though. It seems like this move to bring Charlie Manuel in in some capacity started during Alumni Weekend. Uh, Matt Gelb put out a great piece uh, in the Athletic this morning, kind of breaking down where this all started. Um, and you know, he they talked about the uh, the reunion of the 2009 Phillies and John Middleton spending some time with Charlie Manuel uh, up in the suites. And this was during the the 15 inning debacle. Uh, so, you know, the rows around them cleared. This is from the article. Then around the eighth inning, it was just Middleton and Manuel. They were left to digest a harsh reality that unfolded below. Former Phillies pitching coach Rich Doobie and his wife Maureen were promised a ride back to the hotel by Manuel, so they lingered uh, at the other end of the suite. The game kept going. Middleton, the franchise's managing partner, did not leave Manuel's side. They talked. Finally, in the 14th inning, Middleton relented. He left, and the Manuels and Doobies followed. The Phillies stranded 15 runners on base in the 15 inning loss. It was the emblematic. It was emblematic of a season long malaise. So, seems like that's when conversations kind of got sparked a little bit. I would say, um, to make this move, and it seems like it was kind of in the works. And John Maley, we've been saying for months now, is kind of the common denominator for this team and why they've been struggling because literally any hitter that has come into this organization over the last two years has struggled at the plate mightily. Uh, Exhibit A, Carlos Santana this week, was awful last year in terms of hitting. Uh, this this week is the alone, summer that we thought he was going to have last year. With the exactly, and this week alone he's got a walk-off grand slam and a walk-off home run uh, for the Indians, and he's having a career year. Jim Salisbury caught up with him at the All-Star game too, and he talked about how last year he was kind of you know just spraying the ball around, wasn't really uh, locked in at the plate. And this year he's pulling the ball more. You see that. And that's what Reese Hoskins needs to start doing, too. Yeah, well, uh, Reese has been pretty cold. <laughs> like, to say the least. Um, not great. I actually saw a stat that Andrew Knapp has been outperforming oh. him uh, the past few weeks. And he has, like, 33 to 34 less at-bats. Jeez. Andrew Knapp, actually, pretty quietly, has been having, like, a pretty stellar past month. Yeah. And I know that he's, like, everyone's favorite, like, punching bag and probably still deserves that role. But, I mean... He's been balling, you know, so far uh, in these past few weeks, so hard to hate. I, you know, I, I think everything with Malley is, like, you know, you, obviously you never root for anyone to lose their job. Like, I'm not, like, ever really in that camp unless someone does something, like, really abhorrent. But, you know, like, maybe he is a bit of a scapegoat in this situation for, like, and he's taking a little bit more of the blame for what was more of just a general organizational misstep, not just necessarily on his shoulders. But I think you can also say that, like you said, you know, with with all the the production or lack of production that we've had this year, that that has to fall to someone's responsibility. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like this isn't like 
you know, little league volunteer stuff where it's right. like, you know, everyone's just trying their best, whatever. You're getting paid. And like, you know, this is a billion dollar uh, organization and business. So if you're not up to the standard, then you're going to find yourself out of a job, unfortunately. But yeah, you know, I, I do think he is getting a little bit too much of the scapegoat treatment. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that he is just the one problem. Like, you know, there's a lot of things in and out of the Phillies control this year for why the season has gone the way it has. But, you know, I was actually made the very just rookie mistake of listening to sports radio. <laughs> and they were talking about how, um, you know, that uh, this isn't going to change anything. And also that, like, well, the people aren't showing up to games and stuff. And, um, you know, that the the fans are like entitled and i was like I, I don't get that you know like people have been still really supportive of this team especially even after last season how like we've already kind of forgotten just how deflating mm-hmm. that last like that month September and a half was. was um but yeah like i the notion that like the fans are entitled or like you know what one guy on the radio was saying that like oh you should just take your kids to the shore instead like well, all right. Like, <laughs> I guess you know you should just give up completely on like on the team. You know, I, that 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 has just never made much sense. To yeah. me, honestly, I, I don't know if it's just if they're just trying to get people to hate listen or what. But, Probably, yeah. Just drive those ratings up. But that's why you should be listening to our podcast and our podcast pals as well for your yeah. Philly sports. Look news. at that. Look at that plug. Am I right? Exactly. Um, some other Phillies news, though, is uh, Jake Arrieta's season likely over now. Jesus. Um, so we don't have to deal with Bonespur Arietta anymore. He is likely going to get surgery, and his season is effectively over now. So, uh, adios. See ya. We'll see you next year, maybe, uh, as our number five starter, if you can uh, stay healthy or actually pitch. But um, the Jake Arietta experiment has been pretty awful to say the least definitely not what we hoped for by any stretch of yeah. the imagination um it's kind of weird you know like especially with like cole handles pitching tonight you have this like it was kind of weird thing with the cubs where we've had these like organizational like s- sort of like role switches mm-hmm. i think one of those that's really funny as well as like cole hamels and arietta were like kind of similar guys to like both organizations you know like um sort of longer standing guys that kind of grew up and you know obviously won you know world series with both those teams and then they're switching spots and it's like how much we pine for like cole hamels and also like anytime i go to like a cubs phillies game i always see people with Arietta jerseys and stuff um but it's just like i don't know that the cubs would really be all that interested in having Arietta back yeah. whereas like Cole Hamels is still like, Please come like, home. <laughs> like our number like three target this offseason. So, um, yeah, I, I always find that a little interesting. Um, so, I mean, the the even bigger question now is, you know, Zach Eflin's going to pitch this weekend uh, to fill in for Jake Arrieta's uh, rotation spot, but it's just another pitcher that this team was not prepared for roster construction-wise, and this is what we talk about. You know, they were not ready for these pitchers to fail whatsoever they weren't ready for injuries and it's just another you know bad look on Matt Klentak John Middleton and this front office for not properly constructing a complete roster yeah and I I think you know what's interesting too is like going into this offseason what what our plans are going to look like I was reading an article today about like you know the top free agents for this summer and you know likely destinations and you know, you, literally any starting pitcher and even relief pitcher, like Phillies are like mm-hmm. number two or three on the list for, for 
every single one of them every and single. um yeah that's true to life though you know like that is and and truly i feel like that's the last piece of you know the puzzle for this like you just think of what a different season it is even if we just have less injuries you know like for, forget even just you know guys taking that next step you know we would obviously still need to address that but you know if we just had even some of our bullpen guys stay healthy you, you like i really do wonder what this season looks like without that but um obviously pitching we know is going to be the the biggest target this offseason and you know john milton's gonna have to break out the largest of checks to to get what we need because you know you're, you're not even just talking like adding an extra guy here you're at, almost overhauling the complete rotation mm-hmm. at this point you know you're gonna have to probably add at least like honestly to feel satisfied after this offseason i guess it would kind of depend on if anyone makes any significant improvement but at this point i don't think so over this past month and a half um I think you need to bring in three starters this this offseason. I think for yeah. it to be considered you know successful and you know not every one of those has to be like you know Garrett Cole like you know obviously Garrett Cole is like the big prize but you know they don't have to be like premium you know top 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 tier but like like you need talent at, at pitching and that we just don't have right now and um you know hopefully that's that's what we get you know by January yeah go get Garrett Cole. Cole Hamels and Zach Wheeler yeah. to go with Aaron Nola and Jake Arietta for now, and then eventually call up Spencer Howard next year, who is supposed to be, you know, your next Aaron Nola type that is going to come up through your organization and be in your rotation for the foreseeable future, and then actually have a formidable rotation going into next year where you should be in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know. My guy Alec Bohm as well. Your love, guy. Would love to see him next year. Um, just feels like we're not going to see him this year for whatever reason. I imagine something contractually, of course, but damn, it sucks. Just yeah. like, <laughs> Wouldn't be shocked if he comes up for like September call ups. That would be so nice. Um, which would be really fun. We might have to go to his first game just I because definitely would. it's for the brand. Um, but there's, you know, the, the talent in the minor league level right now is popping off surprisingly so yeah. the organizational philosophy that they instilled this year through the driveline uh you know program and everything with jason ochart who trevor bauer that's his uh players weekend nickname jersey is jo chart so shout out to trevor bauer for uh repping our guy but um you know you hope that this team kind of takes that approach to when they are looking for that long-term hitting coach to uh you know, take the reins from Charlie after the season and really instill what they want this team to do because the the constant just, you know, taking pitches that are good pitches needs to stop. Yeah, you know, and I I, I almost wonder if, like, the minor league experiment as well is, like, ultimately what they want, but, the, you know, it's sort of like you have this sort of testing pool that you can – work out kinks in and mm-hmm. you know I, I wonder if that is sort of the next step is to implement that and I mean you know now you have a bit more of a blank slate going into this upcoming season where you have you have control over the hiring process now and you can get someone or a group of people that are going to be able to implement that exact philosophy at, at the top level so that's going to be intriguing you know it's as important it is as it's going to be to spend big on pitching this this offseason I do think it's going to be equally important to 
you know, whether or not you have to pay them the most or, or what, but you, you're certainly going to have to get the top level coaching talent and staff, you know, that on board, because that's ultimately, I think, just as important as the players, right? You know, the, the people that are going to be in control of them and guiding them through a full season and, you know, keeping them sharp, um, you know, keeping your $300 million asset at its yeah. very best, you know, that's, that's a really important position to have. So, yeah, hopefully that's that's another thing that's worked on uh, this offseason is, is that kind of approach. We'll see, though. You know, and again, I, I don't want to get too excited about the Phillies because I feel like, you know, every other week you know, we've either been really happy about them or really upset, and we're sort of on, like, the turnaround where we were just pissed off four mm-hmm. days ago, and now, oh, we feel good beating the Cubs, and <laughs> this is this is nice. Yeah, but, um, you know, and we'll, I, mean, you, I feel good about a win tonight because I always do on NOLA Day, but... Yeah, I, it's it's hard to get uh, too invested emotionally yeah. right now in the Phillies. And, you know, Cole Hamill's back on the mound at Citizens Bank Park for the first time since uh, July 2015, which is crazy to think about that it's already been four years uh, since he was traded. And uh, they made a big note that he had the David Montgomery patch on his sleeve that he requested in May. Uh, and he saved that because he was going to wear it on his jersey today. Got a loud standing ovation at the park, well-deserved. And... Uh, Something very kind of interesting yet eerie about uh, Cole Hamels and Aaron Nola in this matchup tonight. This is from the NBC Sports Philadelphia broadcast. Uh, After their first 118 career starts, Cole Hamels' record 50 and 34, Aaron Nola 51 and 31. Their ERAs, Cole Hamels 369, Aaron Nola 342. Cole Hamels pitched 747 and one third innings. Uh, Aaron Nola, 716 and one-third. Cole Hamels gave up 98 home runs. Nola, 76. Opponent batting average, 244 for Hamels, 232 for Nola. Cole Hamels whip, uh, 1.18. Nola, 1.17. So, very, very similar uh, for the two most recent, well-notable, homegrown pitchers uh, through their first 118 career starts. Um and it's just going to be a really fun game tonight, I think, in terms of just the pitching matchup. Aaron Nola, uh, you know, it was brought up on the broadcast that he is very well entrenched when it comes to Philly's history. He knows who he's pitching against tonight, and he's going to want to take him pitch for pitch and, and show him that, like, this is my team now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting when you look at the comparison. And I think even, too, like, personality-wise, pretty, pretty similar. Like, not exactly... You, you want to call them like limelight guys, mm-hmm. but certainly, certainly capable still of like being you know franchise faces. You know, where like one attractive, uh, two just like generally good dudes, kind of just relaxed. Um, yeah, def- definitely different kind of personalities in that way. I mean, you always need an extra Cole Handles on your team. Exactly, you know, he was he was the anchor for the Phillies rotation really his entire time here, seven uh, eight years. So. Yeah, it's it's good that Nola is you know on a similar track, and you hope that again you know we're able to add the big pieces around him, right? Because I don't think just Cole, just Nola is like enough to get mm-hmm. you where you know. And that's no disrespect to them; it's just you know, I I don't think there's really any pitcher you could have in our rotation right now. You even go through all of history, I don't think there's one singular pitcher you can bring in right now that you know, could carry this entire rotation just because it it's. In a shambles yeah. <laughs> at the moment, so um, yeah, I, I I do I do like the comparison though. Live update again: Hit and season is working for Aaron Nola. As he helps himself, gets a single that scores Roman Quinn, 
Philly's up three nothing. Nola does like himself a little. He's not great, but he the when man he gets likes that it. pitch. Yeah, he's gonna slap. It. It. He's not afraid at least. Yes. Um, and you know, speaking of what the Phillies need to do next year, we got schedules upon schedules uh, for the Phillies and the Sixers. So we're gonna dive into a little bit of it here. Uh, season starts March 26th next year with a seven-game road trip. Uh, four games in Miami, three in New York against the Mets before the Phillies come home for their home opener on April 2nd against the Brewers. They play the Blue Jays this year. Uh, well, next year, I should say, uh, as the lone American League East team that they'll face. They play the entire AL West, which means Mike Trout's coming to Philly. Uh, and he will be here in July with the Angels. Uh, play the Cubs pretty early on in the season. Get them in April. Uh, the Dodgers, uh, both series against the Dodgers are in the month of May, which is pretty interesting. Um, obviously, your divisional games get a couple series against the Rockies. Uh, the Cubs again in June. The Athletics come to Philly. Uh, so some old-time Philadelphia versus some new school even though the Phillies are the oldest franchise in uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, you get the Diamondbacks, the Padres, your stereotypical kind of uh, National League matchups. You go to Houston uh, on a road trip that also includes the Seattle Mariners. Uh, a long road trip, actually, before uh, the All-Star break. You're on the road for uh, nine games in ten days before the All-Star break, uh, which is then followed up by Mike Trout weekend at Citizens Bank Park. The All-Star Game at Dodger Stadium this year takes place on July 14th, so a little bit later this year for the All-Star Game. Uh, trade deadline, we will be in San Diego for it uh, as that happens on July 31st. Some other notable, another uh, short two-game series against the Texas Rangers in August. Uh, and then the season wraps up in September on the 27th on the road against the Nationals, but before that, a seven-game homestand against the Braves and the Mets. This is the first time in a long time that the Phillies will end the season on the road, too. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, so a pretty interesting schedule. You get the Blue Jays in the month of September Weird as well. That, like, you know, outside of, like, the, the first two series, you know, usually the home series as well as a divisional opponent as well, like in the uh, opening opening weekend. Mm-hmm. So that's a little, that's a nice little change, I guess. But, yeah, uh, opening it up, I'm sure, getting swept by the Marlins next year. That's, <laughs> that's going to be sick. Phillies did a nice job to social media wise uh, releasing the schedule. It was modeled after Tinder. Um, so if you missed that, go check that out. It was very entertaining to watch. Um, but yeah, an interesting Philly schedule next year. On paper, looks like a, a very good schedule. Obviously, getting to play against the AL West, where the Astros are kind of really the only good team consistently. Uh, and then you got the Athletics in there as well that make some noise, but. And then uh, you play against the Blue Jays, a rebuilding team. Um, so there's definitely a lot of winnable games on paper next year for the Phillies. Um, and we'll hopefully have much more success during that season. But the Sixers schedule also came out some very interesting games. Most notably, opening up uh, at home Wednesday, October 23rd. We might just have to go to this game. It's on a Wednesday. Just do the pod from, from Jetro or something like that. Uh, against the Celtics on ESPN. Hell yeah. Al Horford gets to play against his former team uh, to open up the season. 
I, I love that they're doing this, just kind of kicking things off making, right away. Making it a routine as well of opening up against the Celtics. Like, they know. They know what the deal is. Just keep it coming. Um, another notable early on game, Robert Covington coming back again to Wells Fargo Center. We get the Hawks early on, too. I'm excited to see the Hawks because that's a very fun young team. Mm-hmm. So Get the Pistons as well yeah. in that first stretch of games. One thing I did notice, uh, and it was tweeted at us, too, uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at Underground PHI. The Sixers have four four-game road trips this year, and two four-game home stands. Yeah, um, you know we can remember that like really like brutal schedule we had. I want to say like February into March mm-hmm. last year, like um, or like right before the All Star break, uh, where we played like literally like every playoff team. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, a little unlucky with that, but, you know, I think ultimately that all leaves out. I also saw, though, that we had, I think, like, the least mile, not the... Second ad- least tr- air miles. Yeah, air miles, which is, you know, helpful, uh, you know, in terms of, especially when you have a, a very large human being like Joel Embiid, yes. not having to fit him on a plane all that much. So, yeah, I think it it, it all evens out eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, every team has to travel and yeah. has long road trips, so... Um, should be good though this season. First matchup with the Jazz, November sixth in Utah. Um, you get the uh, f- crack at the rebuilding Thunder on November fifteenth. Uh, your first crack at the defending champs in our rematch with the Raptors on November twenty fifth. Uh, we get a what I believe is a Black Friday game um, on November 29th at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. And then uh, Donovan Mitchell comes to Philadelphia December 2nd uh, to uh, get another matchup with the Jazz. First home game against the Raptors is Sunday, December 8th. And then uh, first game against Zion and the Pelicans at home Friday, December 13th. That should be a, a very fun game. They're pushing the Pelicans hard. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like they, they want people to watch and mm-hmm. love the Pelicans this year. Uh, Christmas Day. Once again, at home this time, though, 2.30 p.m. against the Milwaukee Bucks. That game is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, very much looking forward to that game. No more missing Christmas dinner now, too. Yes. Helping us out this year. Um, some other notable games, January 15th on ESPN against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so that's just another kind of pushing that rivalry there as well. Um, a lot of fun games on this schedule for the Sixers. You're obviously going to play against, you know, most of the teams in the league. You go out to Staples Center to take on LeBron uh, in March, so you get a late matchup uh, against the Lakers. And then uh, season wraps up at home April 15th against the Charlotte Hornets. Easy dub for sure. So, overall, I'm I'm – intrigued by this schedule and I think there's a, a a really good shot that this team can string together you know a bunch of winning streaks uh throughout and really put together a, a really really nice season yeah I mean I'm excited I'm pumped uh if we could if we could skip to October right now I would do it and also October is probably my favorite month so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it there's a lot of uh just interesting storylines to this season just with uh some games and one of those is let's let's just kind of predict the Eagles get to the Super Bowl which would be played on February 3rd in Miami. Mm. 
the Sixers will probably be there because the day after they play the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler uh, down in Miami. So we could have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons at the Super Bowl potentially, I think regardless if the Eagles are there or not, but it would be really fun if the Eagles are in it and you have the Sixers there supporting them uh, the night before they play the Heat. That would be quite the content bowl right there. <laughs> um, so you can check out the Sixers schedule on their website. They tweeted out a calendar as well for it. Uh, so definitely check that out. Let us know what games you want to see us at uh, this season. We'll put some put together some stuff. I do know the first Mike Scott Hive tailgate was announced by Zaneb uh, November 23rd is the first uh, Mike Scott Hive tailgate this year. So uh, we'll probably be there some way, somehow. Um, other Sixers news, though. This week marked six years since the Sixers hired Brett Brown as head coach, which is crazy to think about um, everything that's gone on these past six years, but um, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts and opinions of now going into year six of the Brett Brown experience. Well, it's strange because, it, like you said, it doesn't feel that long, but yeah, I mean, he was here for the entire process, and um, you know, he's himself, I think, grown quite a bit as as a head coach and as a person. The whole team is like completely changed a hundred times over. I think he has probably one of the toughest jobs in basketball, definitely like top five, just because of the stakes now, especially of you know coaching a, a championship contending team, but also just constantly having to reorganize and you know we don't exactly have like the best fitting superstars that you could have in this league and. A lot of headaches to come with that and managing all your know, young talents and egos. And you think of just some of the guys that we've drafted and their own issues. Jaleel, <laughs> you know, like his first week, like punching out a Celtics fan, um, the Markel Fultz journey, just everything, you know. Um, so it would be great for me to see him have success with this team and win a championship. Um, I do think he has, like, there's fair criticism of Brett Brown, but I do think people go overboard with it because I, I think he's more of a feel guy than mm-hmm. he is a numbers guy. But, yeah, I love him. And uh, I think it's been, for me, a, a great six years. And ultimately, too, I think he is one of the reasons that we were able to transition so well from a team at the very bottom of the league to a, a contender in one year, which is just incredibly rare and, and very difficult to do. Um, I think that's a credit to the culture that he built in that time when we're, you know, going through the process. And even if ultimately, you know, things don't work out, you know, and, and we don't end up winning a championship, I like, I always have really, I always have like positive things to mm-hmm. say about Brett Brown and just everything he did. And again, just the person that he is, how he comes across in interviews, just generally just seems like an awesome person. No surprise when he came from like, the Spurs tree. Um, so yeah, like, hopefully, hope, like I, I think he deserves more than, any other coach in the NBA, honestly, like a yeah. champion, like just everything he's been through, like how terrible his coaching record is going to be for like ever. Like, <laughs> he, he deserves it. Let's uh, let's hop in the time machine and listen to uh, what Burt Brown said at his introductory press conference six years ago. This thing right? Really? If we can get this right with the culture and the history that this city has and the pride and the toughness that this city has... That is very luring. It's tempting. And there were times that I wasn't sure 
based on what I had if I want to chance it. And, and I, I think this is a very high calculated chance. I think the risk reward here, and I'm grateful that they have selected me, uh, tilts far on the side that at this stage, are you kidding me, there are so many coaches that would want this opportunity. It's dangerous. Rebuild is always a hard thing. But I feel just thrilled to be here, and I think now it's about putting the right people in the right places and getting that thing established, and, and, and I feel good. I think his accent has only gotten, like, more noticeable to me. I don't know. Like, certainly hear it in some vowels there, but yeah. I swear now when he talks, it's like, Jesus, Christ, can you slow down? <laughs> he captions for him sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean... He kind of brought up what the organizational philosophy was from the get-go during that press conference, and uh, it still seems to be that way. Uh, he hasn't really veered off from you know his day one thoughts on what he wanted to do with this team from the point of a rebuild to getting it to where we are now, and then hopefully get over that mountain, get that championship uh, back in Philadelphia. But I think he's the right guy for the job, and there's a reason he's still here, you know. There's a reason that Joshua Harris didn't fumble the bag and fire Brett after last year uh, with just a, a freak play that Kawhi hit, and uh, he's the longest tenured coach in Philadelphia. So I mean, he's he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the NBA, like which is you know strange to say I think, but you know he's been he's been longstanding so far, and um, yeah, I think again there's there's certainly criticisms of him, but ultimately I think he's done as good of a job as could be expected. But this year, I mean, he's going to have to deliver, honestly. I think, you know, the eyes are on the championship now for sure. Mm -hmm. Last year, we, you know, that was definitely a goal of ours, but it still felt like, all right, you know, we have time to retool. Like, we've retooled, and this is In a big way. And we've we've really pushed the chips in, and now it's it's up to Brett to to help guide us that Mm -hmm. way. So, yeah, the the heat is going to be on for sure this year for him. But, um, you know, and you had that weird, like, leak article whatever rumor uh last year in the raptors series that he was going to be fired um and i think even just then looking at people's reactions i think overwhelmingly people like thought what a mistake that'd be you know so yeah um very excited to have him on for hopefully another six years and six rings in the meantime that'd be fantastic that'd be absolutely amazing um but speaking of a team another team in this city that is uh looking to get another ring on their finger. The Philadelphia Eagles, they have a preseason game number two tomorrow night in Jacksonville against an old friend, Nick Foles, uh, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. But uh, Derek Gunn from NBC Sports Philadelphia got to uh, catch up with Nick Foles this week and kind of just tore at the heartstrings even more uh, for Eagles fans. Uh, And he said, Derek Gunn said one of the things he asked him was, why he's now wearing number seven instead of number nine. And uh, Nick Foles said, number nine stays in Philadelphia. That number means a lot to me. It pertains to that city. Who's, hey man, who's chopping onions? You keep you keep, you keep, keep everything carpet... Oh, Jesus. Carm, com, compartmentalized. There it is. You know, keep, make it special. You know, keep that number for a different time of your life. I think it's pretty cool of him. Yeah. And uh, another interesting story, too, that came out this week uh, about Nick Foles and the Eagles was in the locker room uh, yesterday, Brandon Graham. This was via Tim McManus, so I'm going to pull this up here because 
don't want to butcher what Brandon Graham said, but uh, Brandon Graham on Nick Foles telling him prior to 2017 that he was planning to retire at the end of the year. So this is what Brandon Graham had to say. And then now it's like, uh, this was before. Uh, he was talking about after season, you mm-hmm. know, because he was just saying that, you know, pushing through some of the injuries that he had, that it was a little much. And then now it's like, man, look at him now. Mm-hmm. Won the Super Bowl, uh, got him a nice fat contract, you know, and uh, leading a leading great, great organization in Jacksonville. I think the uh, So that alternate universe where Julio Jones comes down with that catch in the end zone could have changed a lot. You know, you don't have Nick Foles last year backing up Carson Wentz in an injury-riddled season. Who knows what happens, you know? We probably don't even get to the point where we're talking about Alshon Jeffrey dropping that pass against the Saints, but to think that Nick Foles was just on the verge of retiring and then goes on, wins a Super Bowl, becomes Super Bowl MVP, becomes an absolute legend in this city, and then almost does it again um, after you know considering retiring is is something crazy to just think about. Yeah, you know, they say it's a game of inches, and it's not always just inches on the field. You know, like just these little these little moments and things that all all connect and, and make things into the story that you have, which is Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl champs, and hopefully again this year. That'd be fantastic. That'd be fantastic. Um, and if you haven't already. Our latest episode of Eagles Enemies went up today. Uh, I got to sit down with uh, Locked On Jaguars' Demetrius Harvey to break down the game, see what's going on in Jacksonville, and uh, make sure you check that out wherever you get your podcasts. It is available for you. And, uh, you know, in Jacksonville, they're already loving Nick Foles uh, because he is not Blake Bortles. Yeah, well, I I watched the <laughs> – um, they put the first episode of Hard Knocks on yeah. YouTube, so I watched it in Jesus – Thank God we're not the Raiders either. <laughs> you know what, though? It looked like fun. And that was, I don't know. It's all, like, manufactured and, you know, yeah. who, knows, who knows what's real, what's not. But it, there, was, there was some good moments in there. Definitely worth, I'm not going to be watching it on HBO. I'm not going to be purchasing HBO just to watch the rest of the season. But um was cool to get to get a little in-depth look at the Raiders and everything going on with their camp. Uh, Guy Fieri was at, in the episode, which was terrific. Uh, he was, like, chopping it up <laughs> with the offensive line. Um, I love how in-tap he is with just the Bay everything. Area sports. Yeah. <laughs> He's amazing. He's one of the best human beings ever. I love Guy Fieri. You know, he was on a show we watch Hot Ones. Yeah. He was on there a while ago, and he talked about, like, how people kind of deem him responsible for Kevin Durant going to the Warriors and then his son hanging out with Steph Curry and everything. So... Just to, just to see Guy Fieri, of all people, diving into the sports well, world as much as he has. Apparently, too, is that he cooked for the Raiders last year. Yeah. And like he's like, um, he's like, yeah, we're trying to figure out like when I can do it again this year. He was talking to the offensive lineman. <laughs> he's like, yeah, we're trying to figure out a day you know, I can come out and cook for you guys. I was like, Jesus Christ. I would love if Guy Unreal. Fieri cooked for me. <laughs> um, but hey, I mean, one thing that I am grateful for is that the Eagles decided to trade for Deshaun Jackson rather than Antonio Brown. Because... I can only begin to imagine what chaos and nonsense would be spewing about this whole situation with Antonio Brown from his cryogenically frostbitten feet to his helmet situation. Which, uh, by the way, cryogenically frostbitten feet sounds like a weird mad lib. Like, <laughs> doesn't sound real. Yeah, just, it's 2019. Anything can happen, and apparently yeah. you can... Uh, 
frostbite your feet by uh, not wearing proper well, footwear. He's, I don't know. He's he's having these weird moments too, where like he's, you know, who who knows how healthy he really right. is. Um, so yeah, that's that's some concern for the Raiders, I think. Um, so yeah, Hard Knocks is back. So very interesting stuff, and we've talked about how we just want Hard Knocks in every other sport because we think it would be a lot of fun to uh, go behind the scenes of that. So please, Hard Knocks, HBO, whomever. If you're listening, make it happen because it would be a lot of fun. Um, I think that's all we got though tonight. Phillies up are up four nothing now, um, and we talked about our friends at Design Tree earlier. We are doing for what I believe is going to be the rest of the season on Nola days, doing a Aaron Nola giveaway with uh, our buddies over at Broad Street Buddies. We have Aaron Nola T-shirts on both of our uh, Design Tree storefronts. All you got to do is. Follow, retweet, and like the tweet that Design Tree puts out. Follow Design Tree. Follow Underground Sports Philadelphia on Twitter and Broad Street Buddies. If the Phillies win, you win two t-shirts. One of ours, one of Broad Street Buddies. It's that simple. So follow us at Underground PHI. Follow Design Tree at DSGN Tree on Twitter. And uh, use that promo code, DSGN5, for $5 off at checkout on your order. And... Uh, really helps because you know the quality of shirts that they're printing for us and uh you know just all the stuff that they're able to do for us for our apparel and everything is very well appreciated and you guys have uh really taken to it uh just by the sales that we've been able to see so if you have purchased merch so far from uh our design tree storefront thank you because it goes a long way but um like we said that's all we got for you guys this week make sure you are subscribed to us on apple podcasts leave those five star ratings and reviews Welcome Charlie Manuel back with your review. Uh, we will be looking, so make sure you leave a good message for Uncle Charlie in the uh, the Apple Podcast reviews. Follow us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI, and uh, we'll be back on Saturday just talking more Phillies. Hopefully a nice little win streak, sweeping the Cubs, going into another uh Hot streak this weekend against the Padres. Manny Machado versus Bryce Harper once again. And uh, just talking about more wins because it's hitting season. So uh, this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 158. As always, brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. We'll catch you guys again on Saturday, but until then, for Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.